Hey guys, it's Morgan here. I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And like always, I'm joined by my husband and my co-host, Josiah Keneally. Josiah, how are you doing today? Doing great. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you're listening to this (laughs) on-demand podcast. Thanks for pressing play. Thanks for hanging with us. Yeah, and we have a phenomenal guest today. There's nothing more exciting for me personally as a female in ministry is to find another passionate female who has said yes to being on our podcast. So Josiah, we have a very special guest. No kidding. Many people probably know her, especially if you're a listener in the Midwest or Minnesota. Um, She's just become more popular and Obviously, there's a higher demand even as she continues her journey with God and her journey um, in the public eye of so many different levels from being an author. I won't ruin any more, but Josiah, will you tell us who our female guest is today who's on fire for God? I feel like you should just roll with the introduction, but (laughs) today we're joined by Susie Larson. Mike and I really admire Susie. She's a talk show host, national speaker, and author of, get this, she's working on her 17th book, one seven, 17 books, <laughs> and many articles besides that in both 2016 and 2017, Susie was nominated and voted into the top 10 groups for the National John Maxwell Leadership mm-hmm. Award. And Susie has been married to her dear husband, Kevin, since 1985. Together, they have three wonderful sons, three beautiful daughters-in-law, and two adorable grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Also, have to mention one adorable pit bull named Memphis. So Susie's position is to see women everywhere. This is her passion to see women everywhere awaken to the value of their soul, the depth of God's love and the height of their calling in Christ. And I remember vividly the day where Micah came home from a Bible study where she had met with you, Susie, or she had heard you speak and she had prayed afterwards and she had held hands with you during the prayer. And she just described the fire and the spirit of God that was inside of you. And I was like, that's awesome. So thanks for saying yes to our invitation and for joining us. So honored to be with you. And I love what you guys are doing. So I just really honor the gift of God in you. Thanks for having me. We're honored that you would take the time during this crazy season and busy busy season. And like always, we're just so thankful and we're so excited to see what God does in and through this podcast to the listener, whether they're male or female, it doesn't really matter because there's something that God is going to speak to every single listener. Um, so Susie, I just want to kick off right away and maybe you could just kind of share um, just your story, the journey of your life, faith, leadership, family with us and our audience today. Let's start there. Absolutely. I was raised in a large family and in a denomination where I knew God was real, but I didn't have a sense that there was access to Jesus, if you know what I mean. So um, I knew God was real. There were times I really felt his presence. I was fifth of seven kids and very uh, just, um, I think, introspective and a rule follower and that kind of a thing. And um, I, when I was about nine years old, I experienced a trauma at the hands of some teenage boys who pinned me down, and I don't want to say more than that, but it was a sexual trauma, and I got up from that place, and it was like a canyon of fear and insecurity, you know, opened up in my spirit, and I didn't tell anybody because I didn't know if that was my fault, and I, it was just, it began, you know, nights of not sleeping well, of being afraid of being attacked, and then when I was 10 years old, 
I was walking home from school and I was just a short little thing. Um, I'm sure I was under four feet tall because I'm not much more than that now. But anyway, um, I was just a little thing and um, I'm 10 years old and I was uh, walking across um, the baseball field to get home from school and a different group of boys who were hanging out in the dugout. All I heard in kind of my peripheral was, get her. And they ran out of the dugout and they ran me down, knocked me to the ground and they pummeled me, beat me really bad. And I remember this crazed look in their eyes. And I know now in my adult mind, they were high on something because they just laughed wildly. They kicked me in the stomach and punched me in the face, pulled fistfuls of hair out. And I'm just curled in a ball screaming and traumatized, obviously. I mean, you know, you see, we get so desensitized to what we see in entertainment with someone punching somebody in the face, but nobody takes a punch to the face without being totally traumatized. It's not, it's not <laughs> what God has for us, right? right. But I got up from that, that uh, my hair was snarled, my ribs hurt, I had scratches on my face, they went away laughing. And I remember distinctly hearing in my ear, I can get to you anytime, anywhere, and God will never stop me. And it was like, so I knew God was real. And at that moment as a 10 year old, I knew the enemy was real. And I often say when I'm telling this story is that the devil sees your potential long before you ever do. I mean, you just go after, go look in your childhood at the first times you knew insecurity, fear, anything like that. You look at his scheme against you and you turn it around and you pretty much can see a portion of your calling because his threat against you is so connected to your threat to him. But he goes after it before we even see it in ourselves, you know? And he definitely did that. I mean, I was an insecure, rule-following girl. So that really um, set me on a path of, of just profound insecurity and fear and self-awareness and that kind of a thing. So once I got into middle school, I, um, you know, I was an athlete and I could sing okay. And so I got involved in all kinds of things that I normally would have. But I was doing this to dig myself out of a hole that I believed I was in. And again, I often say that when you don't know who you are or when there is trauma and hurt, which everybody has some kind of trauma, mm -hmm. you will misuse your time, treasure, and talents to prove something that Jesus has already proven. And I think that's wow. true for all of us. And this is why I'm so committed to soul restoration is because Jesus is really is about stewardship. And I think it was uh, Arthur Willis who said, um, God is not merely concerned with what we do, but with why we do it. He said, a right act may be robbed of all of its value in the sight of God, if done with the wrong motive. Mm -hmm. And while God aches because of the hurt and the trauma, he does want us to deal with our fears. And if you look at the Israelites even, you know, there was a point where scholars say their fears actually became rebellious. And when I started to study scripture and understand that, I thought, I've got to wrestle this thing to the ground because I want to live with eternity in mind. I am not going to live in constant reaction to my fears. So, um, but I was a striver in middle school and I came to Christ in about eighth grade. And, um, you know, long story short, as I, you know, in my young adult years, met my husband who had been raised in the church and I came into marriage with a very passionate walk of faith. And, you know, I just had all kinds of ideals of what my Christianity would look like. And I was like picturing Christian plaques on every wall. Now that sounds so outdated, but that's how old I am. But back then, every, you know, that's when all the Christian decor was coming out. Christian music was coming out. I'm like, I want it all, you know? Right. And I just, I wanted so much to, you know, be all in, right? And um, so we got married young in our young 20s. And uh, we got pregnant on our honeymoon by some surprise and didn't mm. intend for that to happen. But through the pregnancy, I uh, found out I had something called endometriosis. And the doctor said, you will have a hysterectomy in your 20s. So if you want more kids, you got to have them now. So had got pregnant with number two and was in bed rest for 
three months uh, with a high-risk pregnancy. And there's a lot more to that story. It was a traumatic birth, a doctor that was evil and hated women. It was, it was a hard thing. And I wrote, I wrote about it and talked about it in my Fully Alive book. Mm-hmm. My third pregnancy, I went to bed for six months. So I had a one and a three-year-old. We were dirt poor as young marrieds. And I had to go to bed for six months. And uh, one of my kids was strong-willed. So I literally had friends going, hey, I'll watch Jake. <laughs> Sorry about Luke, but I guess, yeah, I got Jake. Because <laughs> Luke was just a little stinker. But, um, I, you know, if you can remember, I came into the marriage with a passionate walk of faith. But there were huge cracks in my foundation. I did not know who I was. I really felt I understood salvation. I understood the penalty for sin. And, you know, I felt like the worst sinner of them all. But I... I didn't know that I was loved. And I think a lot of Christians are going through life. They know they're saved, but they don't know they're loved. Mm -hmm. And so when you don't know that, again, you strive and perform in your faith walk. So when I went to bed for six months, um, I really had to call in all my favors. My friends got tired of me. I got tired of me. It confronted every insecurity in me because I was so used to performing my way out of things that I was in no position to do that. And about three months into the pregnancy, I was, so I had three more months to go. And if you could just picture with a one and three-year-old, we're going to different houses, babysitters, getting dropped off, and they're crying and holding onto the door jam, going, Mommy, I don't want to leave, you know. Um, it, it was a hard, hard time, but I, I was six months along, and the doctor said I could get up, and I needed to get out and just have lunch with a friend just to, you know, see the sky, and I was getting kind of depressed, and I met a couple of girlfriends from college, my old roommates, and we went to Stillwater, a local Twin Cities, out of the Twin Cities kind of town, and we went for a walk, had lunch, had a great time, but I, by nighttime I was contracting again. And so with, within two weeks of that outing, while on bed rest, my face started to go numb and my short-term memory started to do something funky and my arms started to go numb. And long story short, my day up, I was apparently bit by the deer tick and got Lyme disease and um, found out a year later. And once I found out that happened there in my ear again was I can get to you anytime. I mean, it was just so insidious how that happened and that it you know and i deal with the effects of that still today so a lot all of that to say i've walked and there's more to the story than that but in the middle of that as i kind of army crawled through those young years as a young mom and i was still new enough in my faith that i didn't understand that i was in in training time i just thought god lost my address and i thought i was a have not and i i didn't understand why some seemed to skate through life and why others get so much thrown at him. I didn't understand it. And um, God just seemed silent and the words seemed dead on the page and I was hanging on for dear life. And I remember um, there were two kind of game changing moments uh, for me in that time. One was in the middle of the night and I would do this every night because my worst times were in the middle of the night because people would be, my husband would be sleeping on good nights, the kids would sleep, but I would feel like a spear was going through my leg or the room would spin so fast I would fall out of bed. And my symptoms would seem to take on a life of their own. And it was torture. And, and I, I was so afraid. So I'd be begging God, heal me, heal me. And God just it seemed like they bounced off the ceiling and came back down. And I just felt like the heavens were silent. And one night, it's like the Lord broke his silence. And he said, if I healed you, would you praise me? And I said, well, you wouldn't be able to shut me up. I'd praise you till the cows come home, you know? And uh, the Lord said, why is that? Would you praise me because I gave my one and only son for you and I've made a way for you for eternity? Or would you praise me because you got your way? And as this young mom, 
really so new in my face still. I, it was like my life passed before my eyes and I realized I had done so much with me in mind. Even my good deeds were to rescue my sense of self-worth. And, and I really saw my life in light of eternity, how so little was done because he's worthy of praise. It was more to rescue myself, to prove myself, to earn my way, whatever. And, um, and uh, if, if it's okay, I'll just share a, a poem. I, kind of, I rolled out of bed. I literally tore my shirt, you know, in lament and just repentance going, God, I hate this. I hate it here so bad, but you are Lord and I am not. And so if, if this is what you have, I'm going to submit to your will because I don't want my way. I want your way. I want to please you. And this poem, I just grabbed my journal and this poem came out of me and I'll try to remember it. I've walked through many storms. My prayers are filled with tears. The enemy was so big, confirming all my fears. To a distant God, I would ever cry, just wanting an answer, always asking why. Yet heard I not from him, nor his angels singing. Twas all that I could do, his robe to keep on clinging. Then suddenly one night, as I beckoned him to be, so real that I could feel him, he finally spoke to me. Said he, my daughter Susie, I love you with my life. No more would I ever hurt you than be the cause of your strife. You see, it's not my hand that's delivered all this pain, but it's true my hand is there to hold yours in the rain. It's something how men see me according to their need. Instead of praise and faith, they ask and beg and plead. But I am a God who doesn't change with time, nor change I with the season. I don't have to explain myself, nor give you detailed reason. I've given all that I could give when I gave to you my son. I emptied out myself for you as if you were the only one. But what I do, I do for you because I love you so. What I allow, I allow for you because I want you to grow. In faith, praise, and trust, you will find you are strong when demands are replaced by a faithful praise song. It is there you'll find peace where there once was strife, and it'll be just enough to have me in your life. And that came, uh, that was my moment where I, I moved from um, Savior to Lord, you know, he became my Lord, and I submitted to his will, not mine, and I will tell you that I got worse before I got better, and as you know, Micah, I've had battles since then, um, relapses and things, um, but I know him, I know him, I know him intimately, and he knows me, and um, not much, um, I don't remember how, I don't know if it was within that year, months later, that kind of blurs for me, but um, I was on the floor with my three little boys climbing all over me, just getting through my days with a numb face and not much memory and achy body. And um, a woman from my church called and she said, I've been hearing all the chatter about you and all that you're going through because there were some who felt so bad for me and others who thought I was trying to get attention. And I'm like, man, if I need attention, I'll just stand on a table and ask for it. I can't even tell you how bad I don't want this kind of attention. But, um, but she called and said, I hear what people are saying. And I wanted to know for myself, what are you doing with this family, Lord? And so she said, I brought your case before the throne room. And she said, Susie Larson, you listen to me. She said, God showed me a platform that he's building underneath you with your pain that you will speak from someday. So lean in and learn everything you can because you'll have a story to tell. And it was at that moment, it was like a truth bomb dropped into my spirit. Mm -hmm. And I knew it was true. And it was when the Lord just confronted me that day and said, are you a believer just because you've secured eternity? Or are you a believer because you actually believe this stuff? Like when are you going to shift your weight onto the promises of God and see if they hold? 
And again, that was a huge turning point in my faith. And that's really when God started to make a warrior out of me. It has not been an easy road. It just hasn't. But he's been faithful and he's been good, you know, and the best is yet to come, you know? That's right. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> Susie, thank you so much for just sharing with such transparency and vulnerability your story. And mm -hmm. what just really captivates me was the poem that you shared, mm -hmm. like in, in a very dark night, mm -hmm. you called out to him being Jesus and he answered you so deeply and you're a very deep well, you have a story to tell. And what I'm curious about, like you have these amazing stories and, but you described hunkering down. Like when you were a young mom, you're like talking about army crawling through yeah. life, like just survival mode, like full on hunker down, like maybe even a season of hiding. And I'm just curious, what was the, it, it might've been the moment you just described, like Lord or, you know, savior to Lord, mm -hmm. but what was the moment or, or transition or shift Susie from a place where not only that you were like not performing, um, but just going from a place of acceptance versus performing from a place of acceptance and also from a place yeah. of like just experiencing the story to sharing the story. Like you're now writing and, and you've been writing for quite some time and I'm curious, where did your, your passion for sharing your story and, and writing begin? Hmm. Well, that first part of your question, Josiah, um, another one of those kind of breakthrough moments, uh, I remember just lamenting because I am a person of the word. And even back then, even when it's dead on the page, you get in the word because it's living and active. It feels dead on the page, but it's always living and active. So I would be in the word. And but I remember just, again, as a young mom going, Lord, where is the victory for me? Because I'm fasting, I'm praying, I'm memorizing scripture, I journal, I listen. I'm, I can't do more than I'm doing with a disease and with three young kids. Mm -hmm. But I get up from this place and I'm the same fearful, insecure person that I was when I sat down. So where's this victory that I read about, you know? And it was one of those breakthrough moments where the Lord spoke to my heart and said, Susie, I get that you, you love me, but you don't seem to get that I love you. So from now on until I tell you differently, every time you want to say, I love you, Lord, I want you to turn it around and say, you love me, Lord say it now. And I said, you love me, Lord. And it felt like a foreign language in my mouth. And I would like yell at my kids and then feel terrible about it. He'd say, say it now. You love me, Lord. Even here, you love me, Lord. Wow. And I, he kept whispering and prompting me, you love me, Lord. You love me, Lord. And I have women do this at conferences, put their hand on their heart and say, you love me. I'm your treasure. And I, there's half of, usually half of the women stiffen up like a Stepford wife, like, nah, nah, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And I, there's a pride around it, I think, because scripture says we love because he loved us first. It's not that we love God. It's that he loved us. You know, it's not how high we can jump. It's that he stooped down to make us great. He, it, everything is originated from him, initiated by him. And I think it was Soren Kierkegaard who wrote, and this is my paraphrase, but he not only loved us first the first time, he loves us first every single day. He loves us first. And, you know, a great verse to memorize if you want one is 1 John 4, 16. It says, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. To know that love, that word know, is intimately, experientially. Where you walk with him so intimately that you know this love. In Ephesians, it says, to know this love is to be filled with the fullness of God. So I'm telling you what, I think this is a massive gap in many, many Christians' lives mm -hmm. because we have a bent away from grace. We bend towards performance. But when we can live out of the love of God and do what he says, 
I'm telling you, that's where the fruit happens. That's where healing happens. When you are striving, trying to perform your way, you're posturing your way. You're like, you know, the older of the prodigal son story. You know what I mean? You're, you're in your own kind of striving and your own kind of wandering, I think, when you're wandering into the ways of self-performance. So I feel like this is something we not only need to reckon with as believers, but to reckon with every day. You love me first, Lord. So what would love require of me today? And when I started to meditate on the love of God and think constantly about the love of God, something in my soul healed. And I went through counseling to sort through the trauma. I think counseling is really great, but nothing changed my heart and my soul like grasping the love of God, nothing. And that, that is a thread through all of my messages. Regarding the writing piece, Josiah, um, I was a journaler. I am a journaler. I go through journals very you know, frequently. Um, but in those deep, deep places, just writing listening prayers, recording laments, um, some, suddenly like kind of a desire to write uh, grew within me. And uh, I remember um, I, by this time I was, I, I'm trying to think here. I was, I, got, I worked in the fitness industry for 15 years. So even though I struggled health-wise, um, when the doctor told me you should go to support group uh, to talk to other Lyme patients, I know myself. Now that might be helpful for others, but that would just make me more fearful because Lyme is so different on everybody. And I thought, I don't need to be listening to everybody else's stories. So instead I went and uh, tested for a national fitness certification, which I had no brain for it. So like I had my short-term memory was wiped out this massive national certification. I'd been an instructor before I got sick. And so I, this it's physiology, neurology, anatomy. It's tough, tough stuff. And I, my dear husband with three little kids, he would come home and go, go in the bedroom time to study. So I would go in there and study and I would see dated notes in my margins I'd come out crying going, I dated this yesterday. I have no recollection. I just read it yesterday. It's gone from my memory. He goes, well, go back and read it again. And he just pushed me and pushed me and pushed me. And in that state of, of still getting my brain back, I, I passed it at 97%, which was just wow. a huge accomplishment for me. And what's, I memorized scripture and different things. And another just victory flag for me is as a radio host people say behind the scenes your recollection your brain power your memory blows me away and they don't know every time they say that i see a flag in the ground because i was young 20 something early 30s with no brain and it was like god recovered that for me you know but while i was in a manager meeting i used to be a manager for lifetime fitness and one of the group fitness departments the VP, one of the vps came in and did a manager training and he says okay you're 95 years old you're at the end of your life finish this statement I wish I would have. And right away it was, I wish I would have written a book. And I knew it. I went home and I said, I'm, I was praying for my instructors. I was bearing fruit there. I get fitness and athletics. It's my, my brain works that way. So there was good stuff happening there, but it was like several clicks off from the sweet spot. And I walked home, I went home and I said, honey, I know I'm supposed to write a book. So we made early preparations to pay off certain bills to be able to allow me to leave that job. And we've scraped our pennies together and he sent me to a writer's conference. And I talked with an editor there and told him about my story that a lot of people said I should publish. And he said, uh, we don't really do a lot of memoirs these days unless you're Billy Graham or dead and you're neither. So good luck. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> so that was my first experience. And yet most authors have those kinds, but I self-published my first book as a story. And then, um, and then from there, continued to learn the craft, went to a couple more writers' conferences and the rest in that way is history. So. Wow. That's absolutely beautiful. It's so fun to hear just your journey, Susie, because we have a lot of listeners who are potentially called to write a book, to share their story. You said God had given you a story to tell, and there's just a portion of my life where God had said, 
um, either one of two things. I mean, you can use your story and your ungodly decisions to further my kingdom, essentially, or you can allow the enemy to hold you by the throat and never, you know, further my kingdom. And that was a very, very pivotal moment for me. And I just started reading, um, Craig Rochelle started Dangerous Prayers. It's a little five, I think it's a five or seven day study on my Bible app. And um, I was just really challenged. And I just want to challenge the listener today because you have a story of redemption, but you are still on a journey and we all are. And there's something that Craig wrote and he said, what are we losing by clinging to our comfort? And I think that just kind of just parallels with portions of your story that you already, you have already experienced. But then he goes on to say, what are you missing out on? Because you're so committed to avoiding pain and discomfort. And I think just even for the listener to remember the fact that even if we're in the pit, if we're army crawling, if we know that God's put a huge dream on our heart to write a book, to um, develop our craft, to get up on stage, to steward it well, um, it just goes back to Matthew 16, 25, where it says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life will find it. And I think this is a great reminder for the listener today to hear portions of your story, to hear your passions, and to know that what you said is the best is yet to come. Yeah. So I just want to encourage everybody who's listening that the best is yet to yeah. come for you, even in the midst, as we're recording this, we're in season three or four. Four now. Four, when this will be launched in the fall of 2020. And with that, we're coming out of, or we're currently in, or we're going to hit another wave of this pandemic that is happening as we see it on the news, as um, the economy is in a downturn, unemployment rates are high or low, or they're fluctuating all over the place. Um, there was a George Floyd um, was, was murdered essentially. And just we're seeing all these different things from peaceful protest and rage filling rides, riots that are happening in our neighborhoods, in our local targets, in our backyards essentially. Yet you have a message that Christ um, is fully alive, that he wants to do something in every believer's heart. Will you just dive in with us of how, how do we process all this of just the world happening around us while still holding on to the truths of the Bible that we read those pages as we feel that are dead, but are truly fully alive? Like how do we as believers, as leaders, as individuals, just process all of this through the lens of Christ, essentially, while mm -hmm. discovering what does fully alive mean and look like for me, for the world around me, for my family, et cetera? Well, you know the verse, John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I come that you have life and life to the full, life abundant. And in uh, Psalm 23, where David says, he restores my soul, it means to repair, to bring back, to replenish. God is very much into the human condition. You follow Jesus around the gospels, he addressed the human condition over and over again. And I say often, and I believe it so strongly, that we as Christians have a responsibility to steward our perspective. And in so many words, Jesus said in one of the Gospels that things are proven right by their fruit. And you see some Christians who are so obsessed with the news that they're getting so angry and so bitter that the fruit it's producing in their life is not good. And when my boys were growing up, I used to say to them all the time, if you have to let go of love to hang on to your cause, you've lost your way. If you have to let go of love to hang on to your cause, you've lost your way. And so I say, steward as much input as you can handle. I mean, really, you should be so anchored in the love of God, in the word of God, in the heart of God. And then you decide how much of this news you can let in. And then you discern, Lord, what would you have me do? But when you get onslaughted, I mean, I think it was Max Lucado. Yeah, Max Lucado said on my show a few months back, he says, you know, in the prairie days, 
people just knew what their neighbors were doing. They helped their neighbors, they helped each other. He said, we are not wired for 24 seven bad news. Our physiology is not wired. And I got to say one of the things in my book, Fully Alive, because fear was such a huge thing for me. Um, there was a moment in my bathroom when I had had a, I was getting ready to go to the radio station and uh, I, I had been having some symptoms, which felt like sometimes Lyme stuff would creep up a couple times a year and things were starting to creep up. And I'm like, I couldn't figure out why, because normally it's when I'm stressed or overworked, but I hadn't, I felt like I'd been managing things pretty well, but I could feel things amping up and they took off and my symptoms went haywire in the bathroom. My arms went numb, my neck went numb, my bone crushing headache, my vision started to, and it felt like the enemy had me by the throat against the wall. I couldn't swallow. And uh, I, it was like a supernatural cosmic battle in my bathroom. Fear overtook me like I can't even describe to you. And terror because I, my arms were numb and everything. And I remember just feeling the chaos of that moment and the whisper in my ear, the Lord whispered to my ear, the storms reveal the lies we believe and the truths we need. The storms reveal the lies we believe and the truths we need. And I'm like, and in the chaos, I'm like, what is the lie that I believe? And then I heard it from the enemy. I can get to you anytime, anywhere, and God will never stop me. And the Lord whispered back to me and said, you know what, Susie, you've believed that lie your whole life. It's been embedded in your soul. And it's, it takes the storms to bring this stuff up for us, right? And he said, I'm not gonna let you lose this battle, but I have to let you fight. He, it's a lie that he can get to you anytime, anywhere. You have no idea all I've prevented in your life and all I've provided. He is on a short leash and it's time now to deal with this thing. And I think the storms around us, we all have a part to play, but we all carry a portion of God's burden. We can't carry it all. It would crush us. And if you try to take too much on all the time, it will crush you. So I think you pay attention to the condition of your soul and you pay attention to the fruit that's coming out of your life. And, and the premise in the book of Fully Alive, as you know, Micah, is what happens in your soul happens in your cells. And isn't it just like the enemy when we have this pandemic, um, the sickness, people are so afraid that, you know, did you know that fear um, opens up a cascade of inflammation in your body and that sickness and disease are born in inflammatory settings. Mm -hmm. So when you are in self-preservation and you are in fear and you hear all this stuff, that information, you don't even know what's true and what isn't, but you let yourself get to a place of fear, you suddenly opened yourself up. Your immunities, your protection go down, your inflammation goes up. You can just see how this works. And so we have to be stewards of our souls, stewards of our perspective. And I, it's just so important, I think, for every one of us to go, okay, I've got to, if the bad news upstages the good news, I got to turn it off because I need to be grounded in the good news so I know that the gospel changes everything. I love that. Something that <clears throat> Tommy Newberry says in his book, The 4-8 Principle, he says that we have um, hundreds of problems, but millions of blessings. And yeah. so when you talk, Susie, about like the perspective mm -hmm. and stewarding our intake, like Jesus says, like, take every thought captive and the thoughts that we like thoughts is, is our intake and man, to take every thought captive is huge. And then just looking at our, our human condition that you mentioned, Louis Giglio says recently in a message that the human frame was not designed mm -hmm. to carry the weight of the world. Mm -hmm. Jesus does that. And <clears throat> Micah has this prayer that she declares like most mornings or every morning. I just wanted to share it with the listener because mm -hmm. like this is a, a prayer. This is a declaration. And I think this is one way to start your day off strong to, to you know, mm -hmm. determine what type of thoughts you're going to think. And Micah, can you just share that before I ask the next question? Yeah. So I was just in that pivotal season of like that question that God posed either 
you're either you're for me or you're against me. Either you're going to step into the things I have for you, or you're going to prevent, you know, the blessing, you know, that process that I shared a little bit earlier. Um, but my prayer had been during that season, primarily where it stemmed from was out of a place of where do I go next? What do I do in life? And so my prayer that God downloaded in my heart was, okay, when my feet hit the floor, I want heaven to cheer and hell to shake to know that I'm awake. Because as believers, we should be what? We should be a bigger threat to the enemy than he is to us. Okay. And fear is putting faith in the enemy. That's how I describe fear. It's putting faith in the enemy. And our faith is not, that's not where it's supposed to be placed. And if he can distract us in that process, but I just want to encourage anybody who's listening, if you want a prayer and you, you have no, if you're a believer, you know, there's a bullseye on your back. But if you start praying this prayer, that bullseye just gets bigger and you feel like you're a bigger target, but there is nothing more satisfying to know that you're a threat from the enemy. So when those trials do come, you're like, okay, Lord, um, is that like, kind of like the enemy, is that, okay, came out to a flat tire. Okay, Lord, I'm going to praise you in this flat tire. That's an inconvenience. Okay, Lord, I want to know that what I'm doing for you is truly furthering your kingdom. So that's just a prayer that I developed. And it was, I want heaven to cheer and hell to shake to know that I'm awake. And that's just, the trials will come, but you know what? There's nothing more satisfying knowing that God is our defender. He is the one that's protecting us. He cannot touch a hair on our head. Um, without, you know, the enemy, you know, coming to him and asking permission. And so that's where I was, that's, that's what you asked. Yes. Thank, <laughs> exactly. thank you for going there. And, and so you just mentioned about like physical health struggles that you've personally experienced and navigated and walked through and navigate ongoingly, like transparently. And, and I'm just curious because so many people are dealing with their own headaches or they're dealing with their own pain or they're dealing with their own challenges and, and the struggle is real in their life. And they might be at that moment that you shared about like, they're just clinging. They're just like, they believe, but mm -hmm. they, they need help for their unbelief. And I'm curious, how have you found peace in the midst of, of chaos? How have you found joy in the midst of suffering? Mm -hmm. Boy, great question. Um, I think the answer to that is twofold. Um, one is, and if you've heard me speak before or read my stuff, you've heard me say this before, but it was really um, something that's really informed my perspective. About 15 years ago, one of my mentors said to me, she said, Susie, you must discern the difference between expectation and expectancy. She said, expectation is premeditated disappointment where you're creating a bullseye that God needs to hit. And if he doesn't, you're offended, you're upset, you're disappointed. And we all do that. And I've heard so many people say, well, I asked God to heal my so-and-so on this weekend. He didn't, so prayer doesn't work. But the thing is, he's not bound by our dictates. He doesn't have to jump through our hoops. He's not a means to an end. He's the beginning and the end. We are bound by oh, his yeah. dictates, you know? We submit to him. And so expectation really is premeditated disappointment. But so many people, when they experience that disappointment, they drop off there. But she says expectancy, on the other hand, is kind of this open-handed wonder, acknowledging there's a mystery to God. We don't fully understand his ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. So to know that our faith matters, our, when we sow seeds of faith, it matters. But there's this mystery. So to live with this open-handed wonder saying, any day now, I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the yeah, living. Yeah. And I'm living in that tension. And I don't get it. You know, I, I have a son who uh, was miraculously healed from a serious back injury. Mirac medical miracle. Doctors can't explain it. That's not been the case for me. 
and I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm as disciplined as they come as far as my supplements, my fasting, my, I couldn't do more than I'm doing. And I stand in faith and I believe, and I still have people tell me I must have missed a step because I'm not healed yet. And, uh, I don't, I don't understand it, but there's another thing that God spoke to me about years ago. And I'll tell you, he's just disciplined me with it again recently is, you know, discerning the difference between surrendering to your circumstances and surrendering to God in your circumstances. And to surrender to your circumstances is like what the Israelites did. And in the Psalms, it talks about they grumbled in their tents. They refused to believe God's promise to love and care for them. So they grumbled in their tents and refused to obey the Lord. So I want you to imagine that. They, they refused to believe the promise. So they got in the smallness of their circumstance and grumbled there and refused to take next steps to their place of promise. That is surrendering to your circumstance. Surrendering to God in your circumstance is to say, this place does not define me. I am passing through. I am keeping my eye on the prize and on the horizon. And I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And the way that he really confronted me lately, because as you, you, we are seeing each other in video, your, your friends listening through podcasts won't see that, but I have a heart monitor on. I triggered some kind of a rhythm after a hard workout a couple weeks ago. And it's, it's affecting other things in my body. It's just so frustrating. And when I link, um, this train to the long train of how long I've dealt with things, um, I can despair. When I go, you know what, I got this disease 30 years ago. <laughs> I can get a little bit down about that. And the Lord just confronted me the other day and said, you've done great by not surrendering. You're not going down without a fight. You're not surrendering to those circumstances, but you need to surrender to me in this circumstance. And I found peace immediately again by surrendering to him saying, not my will, but yours. You know where I live. You can heal me in an instant. I'm going to believe in the mystery and believe in your faithfulness, but I've got to embrace the grace. I've got to strengthen my grip, like Hebrews talks about, strengthen my knees. In fact, the passage is so that the lame and weary may not fall out. So my, my stewardship of my pain matters not just for me, but others who are watching. And, and um, so that's where I'm at right now is surrendering to God and trusting that I'm going to see him move miraculously in my life. But I've got, I've, I've got a lot of blessings logged and a lot of history logged to know his character. So I can trust him. Yes, that's absolutely, that's so true because I think when we're in the midst of the trial or the tribulation, we forget what's on the other side. We forget that that breakthrough moment, uh, the dawn of a new day is hopefully coming. And whether it's 35 years later or three days later, like everybody's story is so different from your son to you desiring healing and praying for that as well. And I know many of our leaders, like, who are listening, they are pastors, they're individuals who are wanting to take their relationship deeper. They're wanting to be um, people of deeper prayer and they wanna be deep and wide, just like all of us desire. But I think like in the chaos of everyday life, we're seeing a lack of discipline that's taking root in many um, pastors' lives and many leaders' lives. Like we go through the performance aspect of it and we check it off the box, boom, did my devos, I'm good to go. Boom, journal, check, you know, and we go through this process, but we don't really, get into the throne room and sit in God's presence to, to be downloading, for God to be downloading things and then for us to actively live that out in everyday lives. So one thing that I love to pray for are three things, are wisdom, knowledge, and discernment. And just like I have the discernment, like, Lord, I need the discernment from the Holy Spirit to identify where am I, la where am I lacking in my life or where am I settling or what breakthrough moment do I need? Wisdom and knowledge is teaming up of like, knowing what to do and then knowing how to do it. You know, so three things I pray for are wisdom, knowledge, and discernment. And so many of our leaders listening are desiring substance and not just information, but substance that is deep and desire intimacy with Christ. 
um, for the power of the Holy Spirit to burn deeply within them, you know, to go to that next level. So what would you share with those who are wanting more of Jesus? You know, if they feel like they've kind of hit that wall or you had referred to something that was a great visual for me when you're laying in bed and you just feel like those prayers are bouncing off the ceiling back to you. And how do we, how do we get to that next level of intimacy with God? What, what have you experienced and what would you encourage those leaders who are just in a season of wrestling right now? Mm-hmm. Great question. You know, I, there's a few things that come to mind. One um, came from Chip Ingram when he was on my show a while back. And he said, when people need personal revival, he said they need surrender. And he talked about Romans 12, offering your bodies as a living sacrifice. Because so often we stall out when we're trying to force our way or we're white knuckling something that we want to happen. Like for me, I, I was getting some angst in my soul because I couldn't believe yet again, I was walking through another trial. And I had, to be honest with you, some disappointment and hurt in my heart that he was allowing this. And I I had to reconcile that with God. And I think when we are not honest about some of our disappointments and God, you can, why won't you? There are things that maybe I thought it would be different by now than this. If if you just stuff those and go try to make something happen, that is a sure recipe for restlessness, for fatigue, for angst, where you start producing plastic fruit. So first and foremost, get back with the Lord, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. If there's anything that you're white knuckling, you got to release that to the Lord. And another thing, this might come as a surprise, but I would say stop doing anything that you're doing for the wrong reason, any even good thing. I think fast from performance and cease striving and know that he is God. Because when you, and it's like, and the third piece of this would be quit compartmentalizing your faith but be much with Jesus in all aspects of life. Because if you start to look at these as ought to's, I ought to, I should do with the Debo's and all of that, how to get to, you forget that you're with Jesus all the other hours of the day too. So if you're going to go fishing, see Jesus in the boat with you and converse with him and seek to encounter him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, if you look at the idea of, I remember a season many years ago when God was really confronting me about about trying to earn my way and trying to prove myself and uh, as a young mom. And when he really put the stops on me and said, all the things that you want to do, like for an example, and this is such a dumb example, but it's just what comes to my mind. But I was at a shower, a baby shower or something. And normally I would be the first one up to start doing the dishes, even though it wasn't my house or my shower or anything, but I wanted to be healthy helperton, you know? And uh, Lord, just sit on your hands and I don't want you to do that this time. And it took so much more faith to sit than to get up and do. And I think that's a good indicator. If it takes more faith for you not to do something because you have to trust your identity to God, then you might want to look at that. So I just think if you look at the combination, what am I white knuckling that I need to surrender? Where am I striving trying to force an outcome or prove something that I should be entrusting to God, right? And then am I compartmentalizing my faith or am I just walking intimately with him in all aspects of life? Seek to encounter your Abba in every, you know, instead of chasing your ambitions and chasing your dreams and trying to force the numbers, be much with God. And he will draw near to you as you draw near to him. I think that's so good. It reminds me when I was in a season and kind of everything you just described, I was like in a, a Mary and Martha syndrome. Like I was doing one thing and I'm like, why are they helping? Like, get up off the floor. Like, why are you washing Jesus' feet? Like, get over here. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? I'm you're at a baby shower. Why isn't the dishes done? I want to be a blessing. And we're forcing, you know, that Mary versus Martha, you know, approach. God knows the condition of our heart and God can see us. He will call us out. He'll call us up and he will hopefully help us recognize what we truly do need to surrender to him when we take the time to recognize the fact that 
whatever's going on in my life, you know, I need to step back and I need to um, consider what God is saying instead of, you know, sitting in the driver's seat. I need to get back in the passenger seat, put my helmet on and be ready for an adventure versus thinking I know where we're going. So <laughs> and for what, amen, for what it's worth, having been in radio for 15 years and talked to all the leaders that you've read from, I mean, we get to talk to Craig Rochelle, Max Cicado, all these great guys and many others that you may not have heard of, but have several books out or whatever over and over again, you just pay attention. And I'm speaking to your young leaders here. Burnout usually happens mid thirties and forties. And then someone wants to write a book about it because it's so typical in the twenties and thirties to get into striving and to get into ambition. And in this social media age, try to get followers. But I just want to tell you, Jesus never said, I'm commissioning you to go get followers. He said, make disciples, right? Get people to follow him. And you seek first his kingdom. Everything will also be added. But it's almost without fail that many leaders who are gifted and talented will try to make this a run on their own. And God lets them go and they burn out and they have to recover. And then they come back and go, you know what? There's something to be said about resting in the Lord. There's something to be said about spiritual practices like quietness and journaling and reflection. And that always comes after the burnout. But I'm saying if you can avoid that, and implement those things now, you'll be so much better off. You have nothing to prove and all of eternity to live for. So. That's so good. Well, Susie, in your bio, it describes your passion is to see women awakened by the value of their soul, the depth of God's love and the height of their calling in Jesus Christ. Can you share more about this passion that stirs deep within you that you just want to shout from the rooftops for every woman to know? And you know, it's so interesting. I will. In my radio show, I've got 60% women, 40% men. So it's really fun that we have as many men, almost as many men engaging on the, on the daily radio show. But, um, you know, a couple of the things that fuel me so deeply behind the scenes is deeper life and powerful life. Deeper life is your profound, intimate, thriving walk with God. I mean, so anything I write about when I do shows, it falls in either one of these categories, either it's helping to cultivate a thriving, intimate walk with God. Because when you come into his presence, he's glad to see you. That's the scripture says. You can come boldly into his presence and he's glad to see you. I mean, he's got a smile on his face. He's so right. glad. Imagine <laughs> that. So it, deeper life and then powerful life is that your intimate walk with God would translate into a powerful life on earth. And I just, I have such a passion to get people ready to meet Jesus because there's a day of account coming. And I've studied a lot about that. And I'm extremely passionate about God wants to reward you for your faith. And there's a lot of people who have impressive ministries when they go through the flames. The Bible says it'll be like is barely escaping through the flames, like they're barely saved. They're saved by grace without anything to show for it. That should stop us in our tracks to go, you know what, not only matters what I do, but it matters why I do it. And so I just think it's very important. And as you walk intimately with God, he'll purify your motives as you go. I mean, right. we're all a pile of contradictions. But that intimacy with God is what allows the powerful life on earth. Absolutely. What a great thing to be reminded of. Susie, we're enjoying this so much. Thanks for just sharing your life, your story, the things that God's downloaded to you that you now get to share with others. And we'd like to do something for the last five minutes of every episode mm -hmm. where we ask our guest five questions in five minutes. It's a little bit rapid fire, and we call it the five in five. Do you think okay. you'd be up for a fun you know, we know that you're into personal training. Micah did that as well. And I love to be personally trained. This is more like <laughs> mental training. Like, hey, we're going to go from one question to the next rapid fire, kind of a superset, you know. <laughs> and good. so uh, you, you up for that? 
You bet. You bet. Ready. Okay. Question one is if you could describe yourself to the listener in three words, they could be any three words. They could be English words or another language. It doesn't matter. No. Okay. You do whatever you want, but any three words, Susie Larson, what would they be? Focused, passionate, and loved. Ooh, that's good. You're fast. You know, this is rapid fire. Okay. Susie, question number two, are there any words that you live by? Um, Four, four phrases, holy confidence, humble dependence, kingdom, passion, Calvary, love. Oof. Holy cow, this is fun. You're ready for these. Rapid. Go okay, ahead. this is our curveball today. You always have to be ready for a curveball. And if you could ask Micah and I one question a day, what would it be? What's the Lord saying to you? I always want to know. Okay, go ahead. I think that what God's downloading to me consistently as a theme through the past like 16 weeks, mm -hmm. if we look at since like March 13th, I know the anthem of my soul. We just had a, a daughter, like she's seven weeks old today. Oh, wow. So, uh -huh. <laughs> like she's awesome. Her name's Aurora. And so that part of it is fatherhood. But then on the like seven weeks before that was like coronavirus and just kind of knowing that Micah was pregnant experiencing life totally differently as an extrovert and realizing like God's calling me to rest mm -hmm. and God's asking me to rest. And, and I was just really taken back by what you said about a, a trend or a theme that you see in young leaders of um, kind of like burnout in their thirties and forties after like performing through their twenties and thirties. And, and I feel like what God's asking me is like, Hey, use this season as a sabbatical, use this right. season and don't like wish it away. Don't waste it away. Don't worry it away, but live in the now and be prepared for the future. Amen. Yeah. I think the most recent thing that God's been downloading to me is the deeper, um, deeper prayers and dangerous prayers. I mean, I was in a season where I was praying things and you kind of get comfortable and you kind of step away and you're like, wow, everything's amazing. Everything's good. And it's like, yeah, but my depth and my passion and my, um, desires aren't as deep as they used to be or aren't as, um, I don't know, fully alive on fire. I don't know what words you would use. So I just feel like I'm in a season where God is keeping me hidden, but really, um, downloading some treasures into my heart of like things that he wants me to currently pray into, but currently, take action on. And so behind the scenes of praying into the next book, starting the next book that God downloaded to me, um, that can hopefully further his kingdom and not build my own. So just really reflecting on what do I have to offer back to Christ? I mean, I want to offer everything, but in the midst of so much transition, how much of me is left to give and just to pray for supernatural strength each day and to live it and not miss out um, on the small things and the, the precious moments. So just taking every moment in being a new mom and discovering, you know, what God has for me now, but also down the road too. So wanting to steward all of that well, but awesome. Back to you, Susie. Our next number question four. is number four. And um, what would be your advice to young writers or people that feel like God's given them maybe a story to share or just a passion on their heart to, to put to the pen and pages? Uh, get to a writer's conference. That's, that is really the way, if you want to get published, you've got to do that. And I'm happy to tell you, a number of years ago at, the, at Faith Radio, um, I went to my boss and said, we've got to do this because there's some significant writer's conferences on the West and East Coast. And then between there's some smaller ones, but I want to like do an A-level faculty with editors, agents, whatever. And uh, 
we did our first one a handful of years ago and I think we had 700 people there. It was fantastic. So um, it happens every summer in July, but we bring in top level ed editors, agents. It's Northwestern Christian Writers Conference. But I'm saying, you know, since this is airing in the fall, it won't happen for us to again until July, but there are other ones. Google a Christian Writers Conference and get there because nowadays if you were to come up with a manuscript and a proposal and send it into a publisher unsolicited it would end up in a slush pile and they would probably never see it right. but when you get to it one of the benefits of a writer's conference with your the, the money that you pay to to attend your registration you get a one-on-one -on -one with usually the editor of your choice so you have got five to ten minutes to be face to face to go here's who i am here's my passion here's my idea and then if you they slide you their business card you have, you've been put to the top of the pile. And wow. would you believe, having done this as long as I have, that something like 70% of people who receive a business card never act on it. So very few get a business card. And then the 70% the, the who do, I don't know if it's fear, procrastination, but it, that is really what you wanna do is learn the craft of writing a book proposal and be teachable because a lot of people will say, no, this is what God gave me. And, uh, you know, and it's important to get some input because there's just ways to craft a manuscript and then get yourself to a writer's conference and pray for that right person, right time. And God will open the doors. I believe he will. That's so good. That's a good tidbit for those of you who are writers to know that if you get past that business card, take advantage of it. Don't be part of that 70%, right? Yeah. So, um, Susie, you often write morning and evening blessings. Speaking of blessings, our baby's waking up right now, but... Would you um, be willing to share and declare a blessing over our audience of college pastors and young adult ministry leaders today as we close? I would. And if I could, before I read the blessing, could I read a prophetic word? I, I just grabbed it today. Um, God gave this to me in the middle of this last relapse. And I just felt strongly that somebody in your audience needed it. Is it okay to read that? Oh my gosh, absolutely. This is what he gave to me. And I just felt like it wasn't just for me. Listen to what I have to say, dear one. I'm about to breathe fresh life into your soul and there'll be no missing it. You've waited a long time for your breakthrough and that moment is almost upon you. I will send messengers one after another to confirm my word to you. Do not be afraid, only believe. Dare to take the risks I've put before you. Trust me with every step. You don't have to keep yourself, I am your keeper. It brings my heart great joy to unleash you into this next season of your calling. I will silence your accusers and bless those who've been kind to you. Your test was also their test. Take time to reflect on my goodness. I am forever for you. The battle on the earth is about to amp up. You'll need to keep your armor on at all times. Don't take things personally. Stay fierce in battle and focused on the mission I've set before you. Quit wondering if I have a plan and start preparing for it instead. Wait with expectancy for I will surely come for you. I love you, my child. And here's a blessing for you. May God himself overwhelm you with his goodness and his grace. May he open doors no man can close. May your steps be so ordered by the Lord that you're always in the right place at the right time. May the power of the Holy Spirit compel you to live by faith, to take great risks, and to believe for great things. May that same Holy Spirit constrain you to trust God's timing, to obey him when it doesn't suit you, and to refuse to take matters in your own hands. May you abound in love more and more. May you increase daily in all wisdom, knowledge, and depth of insight. May you understand the times and know what to do. May you highly discern God's will and his ways. May you bear the abundant fruit that comes from the abiding life. May your God-given dreams come true and may you have the faith and discipline to steward them. You are an overcomer because Jesus overcame. Now nothing is impossible with God. So may you last long and finish strong.
Amen. Well, Susie, we received that prophetic Come word on. as well as that Come blessing. And we just want to say thank you so much for being obedient, um, for saying yes to this podcast and just being a woman who's on the front lines. Um, I think that's truly inspiring for women like myself, but also other women who are being called up and called out and trying to rise up. But you have definitely been able to be a voice into that, I think, for many women that you may not even see or hear or recognize. But we just want to say thank you so much for um, for your obedience and sharing your vulnerability from your story to what God's doing. So Susie, thank you. What a great conversation that we had today. Thank you so much for joining us listeners. You can find out more about Susie Larson, her books, as well as her resources. When you connect with us on our website at youngadults.today as well as any other social media platform that we have at youngadults.today. Until next time, this is Mike and Josiah. Susie, thanks again for everything. We are so excited to have this time with you. What a blessing. Loved it too. God bless you both. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast.